Hello, beautiful people. Welcome to Time to Exhale. I'm your host, Diana Beckman, founder of Exhale Therapy. Life is so many things, busy but beautiful, exhausting yet exhilarating, messy but also meaningful. And sometimes the one thing that makes it all better is knowing that you're not alone. Your mental wellness is of most importance and having the hard conversations are just as vital as the easy ones. Join us as we search for ways to lead a life of fulfillment and passion while finding our most happiest, truthful selves. This is your time to exhale. Joining us today is Alita Wilson. Alita is a counselor at Exhale Therapy who specializes in perinatal mental health. For those of you that may not know, perinatal mental health is for individuals' mental wellness during pregnancy and the postpartum period. Today, my co-host Sinead and I will be chatting with Alita about her experience as a doula and how that has influenced her role as a perinatal counselor. Welcome, Alita. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited. We are too. (laughs) We might as well just dive right in. Can you explain what areas are covered under the perinatal mental health? Yeah, so I think that's a great question to get started because often when people think about mental health during that time, they just think of postpartum depression. So perinatal mental health encompasses mental health experiences that people have during pregnancy as well as in that postpartum kind of new parenthood up to it varies depending on um, kind of where you're getting your research but um, some people say up to 18 months other people say up to four years postpartum oh wow Mm -hmm. can I ask would it cover anything I mean during the pregnancy yes but what about um before pregnancy, as you're in the process, you're trying to get pregnant. Is that part of it? You know what? That's a good question. In my experience in the work that I do, because I'm assuming that you're asking kind of about like infertility, miscarriage, mm-hmm. things like that. Yeah. yeah, like just beforehand, any of the stuff, like we said, if there's issues around infertility or mm-hmm. I'm sure there is obviously a lot of um, mental health concerns, people challenging some of the anxieties that go along with trying to get pregnant and the difficulty if that's not happening in the timeline that they're hoping for. So my understanding is, I guess I can only speak to my own approach and the work that I do is that I would still kind of classify that as perinatal because they are going through the process of whether that is conception or miscarriage or things like that. As well, I think the infertility, when you get into difficulties at that kind of conception stage, you're trying to conceive. I think each therapist would maybe approach that in, in their own way because each of those challenges are so unique to that person. But I think in terms of like, would you classify that in perinatal? Personally, I would. Okay. Yeah, mm-hmm. fair enough. And I think like you said, it's such a new new age term that there would be a lot of variation in, in how people look at it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, fair enough. And what are the most common health concerns um, that you help your clients with? In terms of like in the prenatal or in the yeah. postnatal phase, is there something if, specific? I think either one. Um, is there one that's more common than the other? Mm-hmm. So maybe I'll kind of clump it into kind of the prenatal and the and then the postpartum. So mm-hmm. prenatal, something that I see very common is a lot of anxiety and stress around pregnancy and things that come with that. The challenges with being pregnant, the body changes, the relationship dynamics, the hormones that come into place, a lot of feeling overwhelmed about what's to come mm-hmm. kind of preparing for birth there's there's a lot of fear and a lot of uncertainty around actually giving birth and what that looks like in the current birth cultures that we have so in that prenatal period it's a lot of helping people 
prepare for birth, helping Mm -hmm. them process what it means to be pregnant, what's to come, often as well, even processing a lot that comes up for them personally around their own experience with their own parents and becoming, if they're using the terms like mom, becoming a mom themselves and what that actually looks like and what that entails. So I would say that's kind of the prenatal. And Delita used to be a doula, right? So Mm -hmm. did you find that you were already doing this with your clients previously when you were doing that specifically? Yeah. So a lot of, um, for those of you who aren't familiar with the term doula. I'm not. (laughs) A doula is basically like the way I refer to it is like a birth coach or birth support. So it's an independent person that comes onto your birth team that supports you through your pregnancy, supports you through labor. So I attend the whole birth with the clients and then follows them into the postpartum experience. So yes, a lot of the work that I did as a doula was around helping people prepare for pregnancy or helping them sometimes prepare for pregnancy, like starting at that beginning. Like the mental preparation or? Mental and physical. Yeah. So yeah, good question. So a lot of it is around like a birth plan or birth birth preferences of how they want to birth, what their options are in terms of giving birth and how that varies from hospital to hospital, how that varies if you're having a home birth or if you're birthing at a hospital, if you have a midwife or if you have an OB talking about pain relief, basically what to expect, what labor actually looks like, what can they expect, ways to support them in the pregnancy. So I'm trying to think of all the things that come up because it really varies from client to client, but basically kind of helping them manage pregnancy and everything that comes with that, prepare for the birth, and then support them actually attending the birth. Because what happens quite often is at the hospital, the nurses are on rotation and they can only spend so long in each client's room. So doulas basically are in there with 24-7 support in that actual birth. So you don't have to labor on your own or do things on your own. So yeah, that's what I was doing before I became a social worker. So a lot of those tools and strategies and supports that I offered in my role as a doula transferred into kind of those prenatal counseling sessions. Okay. Postnatal, postpartum, um, some of the most common things that I see with that, well, people, like I said, often just think of postpartum depression, Mm -hmm. but there's prenatal, like the kind of categories that it works under is like prenatal anxiety, prenatal depression, prenatal OCD. There's also birth trauma is often included Mm -hmm. in that, PTSD from your birth experience, and then psychosis, postpartum psychosis. So what I see most often and what kind of is most common for me in my practice is a lot of challenges adjusting to the postpartum experience and motherhood or whatever title that they choose to identify with. People often refer to birth as a marathon. And my analogy sounds like a marathon. (laughs) (laughs) And my analogy is birth is the gun that goes off at the beginning. Okay. And then everything else is the marathon. So birth in itself is a marathon, of Mm -hmm. course, because of how long it is. But then it's also in like a, yeah. (laughs) And then in kind of the larger scheme, it is that gun that goes off at the beginning. And then you have this, you know, really abrupt life event. And then you have to run a marathon afterwards. So Mm, gosh, yeah. yeah. So that's lovely, doesn't it? (laughs) I'm excited. (laughs) (laughs) A lot of what I work with and what I see is people really struggling to adjust to 
life postpartum and what their expectations or understandings of that experience is like versus the reality of how that shows up to them. You know, the impacts of sleep deprivation, the impacts of living in a society where there's a lot of isolation and motherhood and not Mm -hmm. having that support and resources, especially now with with the COVID challenges. And Mm -hmm. um, a lot of it will present as like postpartum anxiety and depression are often the most common ones that that I work with in terms of anxiety being this feeling of all of a sudden your body is perceiving and reacting to all these different threats because Mm -hmm. your body's going into that fight or flight maternal instinct right maternal instinct is like what you would refer to as like that mama bear feeling Mm -hmm. right of super protective looking for threats everywhere trying to keep this baby safe and not knowing how to manage those feelings or understanding what's happening um i know i struggled with postpartum um i wasn't diagnosed or anything but i know um, looking back now that I, i certainly did struggle a lot with it and i'm just wondering um what are some like tell tells basically for someone that may be struggling and just isn't either accepting it or necessarily facing it? What would you suggest then in that in that situation? Mm-hmm. That's a good question because I think, like you said, like you kind of had your own signs that in hindsight you were able to recognize, mm-hmm. and for each person that can look really different. And so um, I try to be careful with like overgeneralizing. Like if you have this, this, or this, then that's a sign because that can actually induce more fear and worry and so but a sign or things to look for I guess would be like more generalized difficulty coping I guess Mm -hmm. I would say there there's a lot of things that are really really common in the postpartum experience that aren't talked about and aren't normalized so people become very overwhelmed and have a lot of fear around what they're experiencing like intrusive thoughts around something bad happening to baby Mm -hmm. or dropping baby or doing something that hurts baby and things like that. So those are all quite common, but really hard to interpret and understand. Mm -hmm. But I would just say kind of more in general, this idea of if you're feeling like you're having a more difficult time coping, if your ability to kind of like regulate or soothe yourself or like another analogy of like bringing yourself back into that green when you're when you're brought out of that ability to kind of regulate yourself. If you're noticing like a lot of intrusive thoughts or a lot of increased worry there's also like the hypo arousal which is having um i mean low energy is really really common of course Mm -hmm. because of the lack of sleep and things like that and the the physical and mental strain on your body but if you're noticing really low mood long term that's something that that's typically a sign and i think kind of going off of that is people will often try to try to do that assessment and not from like a clinical point of view but just like self-assess like am I okay is this normal like is is it this hard for everyone and my point of view I mean I'm a therapist so I'm probably slightly biased but it's that idea of often we think well it's not bad enough Mm. so Mm -hmm. so you know like this is normal or my mom had five kids and she was fine or my sister has two and she's okay or or kind of comparing ourselves to other and having these really high expectations that I should just be able to do this because everyone else is. I kind of work on erring on the side of caution, especially if you have resources to benefits or things like that to be able to to go to counseling, which I know isn't accessible for everyone. But I think I think yeah, kind of just it's. It, I I guess what I'm trying to say is in those moments it's really hard to check in with yourself yeah. and notice. So. Another point of that is a prenatal prep 
mm-hmm. work done in terms of working to to build that relationship with yourself so you can start to identify how will I know like how will yeah. I know in that postpartum stage and um, another point to that I guess would be developing that narrative or that conversation with someone in your life that you can trust who can kind of have those check-ins with you if they can s- start to notice you know what like it seems like you're having a harder time or whatever yeah. that looks like mm-hmm. for you to be able to trust that that person can kind of be an extra side, like an extra set of eyes and ears for you to help you just kind of keep checking in with yourself. I'm really glad that you mentioned, um, I guess, comparison. We all do it mm-hmm. every day. Um, but I certainly did it a lot more when I was a new mom. Am I doing this right? Am I doing this wrong? Um, is that person judging me because of X, Y, Z? Like, I, I don't, I think you're kind of put out there and you're always thinking that you are, like anything you do is incorrect. And uh, I think it's important to really acknowledge that, like checking in with yourself rather than what everyone else has done and really focusing on how are you feeling right now? And what, you know, do you feel like this is not manageable right now? Is it, should you go see someone or talk to a friend? Like you said, someone that right. feels safe for you. Yeah, and even validating like, how do you know if what you're doing is right? Mm-hmm. Like there's no, there's no, <laughs> yeah. And that's the thing that can be so challenging is there's no, okay, this is the way you do it. I'm going to, mm, I'm going to mail yeah. you this book and you can just flip each page and check, check, check. Manual. I wish. Yeah. There, and there's, you know, it's such a cliche thing to say, but there's no manual. So, and even mom groups and things like that, a lot of my clients will go there, but there's a lot of shaming and mom guilt in those environments yeah. where everyone has to find their own style and what feels true to them but to navigate what feels true to you when you also have you know that mama bear maternal instinct all of these things that's making you question every single thing you're doing and a lack of support to say hey let me be there for you to even just be a soundboard for you to verbally process the decisions that you're struggling with and I think Um, like my approach to the work I do is very holistic as well. So having a team of people, like if you're choosing to breast or chest feed, like working with lactation consultants, Mm -hmm. working with, um, people who help with sleep, like even if you don't want to do sleep training, like gentle sleep techniques, things like that, kind of utilizing those skills, because I think this idea that women and families are supposed to just inherently know exactly what to do on top of all of the conflicting information Mm -hmm. out there like that's that's setting people up to really struggle to feel confident in this transition and it truly it truly takes a village I think it's Mm -hmm. important to have all of those different experts I would say in those things like nursing or sleeping or whatever it may be I think it's really important to reach out because it does take a village to raise a raise a child for Mm -hmm. sure I think I would also say you know you're speaking to the mom group thing and I, I myself, obviously, I've never experienced that. I don't have kids, but I think, I think there's truth in the idea of like, take what you need and leave the rest. Like it's, I'm sure it's, it's so much right. easier said than done though. But you know, you take, you go into that group. It's wonderful that mom A, B and C do this. But like, if that doesn't work for you, like, can you comfortably take just the little bits that you need and go away? But I'm sure that's hard to do. Right. Yeah. And, and, and I think, like you said, that that, that would be ideal and that's that's the hope for people and maybe the hope of those groups in general but yeah I think I mean I'm not on those Facebook groups to really see or the mom groups to really see the dynamics that go back and forth but I think especially if you're already struggling with that confidence and with mom guilt and and kind of navigating it and knowing what to do it's it's so challenging to then kind of 
like pick and choose kind of what, of what resonates. So it can, I think for me, what I love about being a therapist and having the role that I have in these clients' lives is knowing that like this is a completely judgment-free safe zone where mm-hmm. you can just kind of process and work through this. Like I'm not going to be someone that's going to tell you, you have to do this this way or this is the best way to do it or this or that. Yeah. And often what I'm noticing is what people need is someone to just support them and validate how challenging this is and create, like I said, like this safe place and this container for them to just try to navigate mm-hmm. all of you know everything that's kind of happening. Now, here's a totally different direction sort of question. Obviously, we've got lots of different types of families, and we're seeing lots of different people who have that desire to have kids, and they're starting families. Is it completely ridiculous to say there's room for perinatal counseling for, say, men and the experiences that they have with their families and what they're going through? Like, just talking Mm -hmm. about, I suppose, postpartum, there's adjustments that are going on for um, both men and women when um, when a baby is brought into the family. So where where would that fit in? Yeah, absolutely, especially if you're talking about kind of a relationship where it is man and woman and that and that dynamic, like the the research that's available through the training that I did with postpartum support international, they say ten percent of dads or men actually experience postpartum depression. Wow. Okay. And so this this idea that it's a huge adjustment mm-hmm. for both individuals or even if, um, you know, the woman or the mom, if we're talking kind of in that dynamic, is struggling with her mental health or trying to experience that, or she had a traumatic birth, or she had a difficult cesarean that's now taking more time to heal. And so maybe that dad is having to step up more. Mm-hmm. It it creates a huge dynamic shift in that relationship. And it can bring up a lot of challenges for both people, especially if, you know, there, the information is available that if either one of the individuals struggle with their mental health, like anxiety or depression and things like that to begin with, we see a lot that those symptoms are amplified in this postpartum experience. You know, again, like very sleep deprived, often not eating and taking care of themselves the same way, which are huge impacts on our mental health. You know, they have this child that they're solely responsible for, largely responsible for, and the stress and the pressure that comes with that is really, really challenging Mm -hmm. for for both people, especially depending on how they're distributing that care load or even, you know, the situations of a dad having to go back to work right yeah. away and, and the the strain that that is maybe on him or on their relationship or knowing that he's at work when he's missing those mm-hmm. those initial things. And, you know, there's information available that says two-thirds of couples, they'll rate their um, relationship satisfaction decreasing after that first baby because yeah, of the impact that it has on the the relationship. So I I definitely agree. I think um, a lot of the work I do with the doula and even as a therapist is often bringing the couple together to have a lot of these conversations before baby's here. So my approach is very like preventative. What can Mm. we do beforehand to give you the greatest success and have a plan in place for you to feel like you kind of have a plan that that feeling of control is a little bit more there because the uncertainty and lack of control are huge catalysts to Mm -hmm. a lot of the struggles. And so what can we do beforehand so that you feel like, okay, we're going into this as a team. We're improving our communication between one another. So if things are coming up, we can communicate that. It's really common to kind of take things out on our our partner. And so... So yeah, I definitely agree that kind of dads and even through Postpartum Support International, I'm pretty sure that they have 
like um, dad groups, like dad support groups okay. that they're that they're creating because they're noticing a need for that. I think it's interesting that you mentioned that you would have couples come together prior to, um, because that's nothing. That's not anything I've ever thought about even beforehand. And how great would that have been to go in prepared? knowing that, you know, together we got this. Because oftentimes I know my husband obviously did not deliver Sawyer, but he definitely had to be there for the 27 hours and experience Mm -hmm. and see me going through hell um, ultimately. So I think he obviously would have been affected by that. And then on top of that, everyone's like, oh, make sure you're taking care of mom. Yeah. How's, you know, how's the baby doing? So he's not getting the support at all. Not saying that he wasn't. We have a wonderful family that they've been really supportive. But ultimately, the first question is, or are you taking care of mom? Are you doing X, Y, Z? What about dad? Because he also is maybe working the next day, but still getting up throughout the night potentially. So he, he's now more sleep deprived and has to work the next day. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, our job is just as hard as well. But it's interesting that if you, I think, had almost like everyone takes or a lot of people take um, parent classes beforehand. I know mm-hmm. we did, but it doesn't prepare you for anything around mental health. No, it doesn't prepare you. No, oh, wow. it doesn't prepare you for anything in terms of like it literally is about dad supporting mom here this is what you can do when she's in pain while she's Mm -hmm. laboring but stages of labor yeah exactly so it's I think this should be part of it actually it's quite interesting that you even said that Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and um, that's actually like something I'm working on. I'm in the middle oh. of doing like childbirth education to be oh, a wow. prenatal teacher, so I'm just gonna slide that in. <laughs> <That's amazing. laughs> and Honestly, so I really so and I really want to create prenatal classes that are really focused on like really preparing people in that sense because that's where I'm, you know, as a doula and then a therapist and then I was I was a prenatal yoga teacher and all these kind of pieces of where am I noticing these gaps and why mm-hmm. are they here. And let's not blame anyone or these kinds of things, but like, how can I kind of start to fill those gaps and what does that look like? Because even, you know, a common thing that I see is resentment postpartum because Mm -hmm. maybe your partner or your supporter, your husband didn't show up in the room the way you want. Maybe you felt unsafe and unprotective and your, your needs weren't being heard. And what role did that partner play in that? And Mm -hmm. Or they're sleeping peacefully beside you while you have to wake up and go <laughs> right. help and go help your child. <laughs> right. And so so all of those pieces as well as like kind of going back to that, how can we work? How can I support these two people? Or maybe there's more people, maybe there's in laws, maybe it's mm-hmm. maybe there's more of a system. How can I support these people so that they're kind of working collaboratively and working together, that they're all feeling like that communication is there and that they're all feeling like they're supported one supporting one another and as a team. Mm-hmm. And um, is this something you're, you'll be offering at exhale? <laughs> I'm hoping so. We'll have that conversation. <laughs> yeah. Stay so tuned I, everyone. <laughs> Sign up sheets will be up shortly. <laughs> yes. Yes. You talked a little bit about birth trauma. Mm-hmm. Um, can you explain a little bit for those that don't understand what that looks like? Yeah. And, um, Again, I feel like this may show up differently for everyone, but the idea around birth trauma is when something occurs during our birth experience where our sense of security and safety is jeopardized or is impacted, that creates a trauma response in our body that creates a very deep threat response that then causes either short-term or long-term increased distress. So the term that they'll often use is like, 
postpartum PTSD. So that can show up differently for a lot of people. Um, Some common symptoms of it is like flashbacks of the birth experience that you have that are in a, I'll use the word like traumatic way or a really distressing way um, where you feel a deep sense of lack of safety and security or violation after that birth experience having nightmares things like that a lot of people will have that relationship especially in that postpartum time when um, the maternal intuition we could call it or things like that are really heightened where people can just tune in and say like something feels wrong Mm. whatever happened is not sitting well with me whatever happened does not feel okay and it keeps coming up where I don't know what it is sometimes it's like I'm not having flashbacks I'm not having this but something about it feels fundamentally wrong with me it could show up as anger towards a practitioner or a nurse or it can also show up as difficulty attaching or bonding with the newborn difficulty um, breast or chest feeding if that's what you choose symptoms like that Mm -hmm. okay and that would be another thing then that you can work through in a counseling setting yeah yeah absolutely it's something that I personally notice people will come in and they'll be having kind of all these symptoms or these feelings or having a difficult time coping or various challenges. And so in that postpartum, one thing that I always touch on is kind of, okay, how, what is your mental health history? Mm -hmm. Um, Kind of what, what have you experienced in the past kind of before getting pregnant? What was your pregnancy experience like? What was your mental health like then? Tell me about your birth. And then often people will start talking about the birth and Um, obviously if they're safe and like, there's definitely way that we build up to that, but kind of sharing about their birth and all of a sudden it comes out that a lot of this postpartum struggles that they're having is because of the challenges that they experience in that birth environment. Mm -hmm. You had mentioned that you're not on those forums or Facebook groups. Mm -hmm. Um, you're not a mom yourself, right? No, I'm not. Okay. So do you feel that that is a barrier that you have to overcome often being a therapist for individuals that have kids? That's a great question. And, you know, when I started getting into this work, something that I sat with a lot and that came Mm -hmm. up for me a lot because I thought, you know, what does that look like? You know, that imposter syndrome for myself. You know, I'm helping these moms or these families through this thing that I've never experienced and can't fully relate to Mm -hmm. or all of those different pieces. And I talked to a lot of different people in the field and started working with moms and families. And what I found was that a lot of the experience that they've had, I've been able to relate in my own way. Mm -hmm. Maybe, you know, I'm not familiar with the sleepless nights the way that they are, but I'm also familiar with being with a one day old and caretaking for them for the entire night and having a glimpse of what that fear and, you know, every two seconds checking to make sure they're breathing because even if you can't hear them are they okay mm-hmm. and and the panic that that creates because you're responsible for this little one and you can't really hear if they're breathing and you're scared and like the anxiety that comes with that and again like I can never fully understand what that's like but I think in my work as a doula I've seen bits and pieces of it enough and worked with people enough and you know the analogy that kind of comes up for me is you could have a doctor who works with people with cancer but has never had cancer themselves. That's a great way to look at it. Or yeah. and, and different things like that where, and even, you know, if you're a mom or if you identify as a parent, 
you could have a completely different experience than the parent who's showing up Mm. in your room. And so what I've actually found is that me not being a parent has allowed me to come into each situation where I show up and just see that person for who they are with their experience. And I'm not bringing my own biases and my own experiences with parenting and my own assumptions about what it's like to be a parent into that situation. And so I I definitely resonate with what you're saying. Mm -hmm. Well, it's like, well, how can those ins and outs pieces, I definitely can't and I can't relate. And I think that sometimes people really want that to say where they can find someone who can just relate and say, I'm a mom too. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really valuable and I hold space for that. And there's definitely therapists in this field that have parents that I would be more than happy to refer people to. Mm -hmm. But in my experience, what people during this time want is just to be seen, to be heard, to be understood and to be given some tools and resources and to be connected with others that maybe have the the tools that they need. So it's definitely something that I'm very mindful of and something that I'm very careful of how I try to relate Mm -hmm. because I think it could be frustrating being like, oh yeah, I know how you feel. That must be so hard. I remember when Mm -hmm. I was in university and I had to pull an all-nighter. It's like, (laughs) like (laughs) that one time. Yeah, like absolutely. Like as a mom, I can say that's definitely not related. (laughs) Right, right. And you know, like even these little glimpses of experiences that I've had don't, don't fully embody the challenges of what it's like to do that day in and day out for months or years. And so I'm, I'm very aware of that and, and try to very much incorporate that into my sessions. And I'm very honest and open with my clients Mm -hmm. about that. I'm not a mom and, and, you know, and I've never had a client who, where they felt like that made me unrelatable, Mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. I think you said it perfectly. Um, like even myself, I, I would never now question why I wouldn't go to you. Mm-hmm. I think you said it perfectly. Just because I haven't experienced it doesn't mean I don't have experiences that help towards that. Especially being a doula, I think that really does set you apart from a, lo- a lot of other individuals as well. Even from me being a mom, I think you may have more knowledge in some of those aspects than even I would be Don't because you were in in the thick of it too. Mm-hmm. So, and like you said, that ability to hold space isn't yeah. about the role that you have in your life. It's just who you are. Right. And I think, you know, my perspective too is each client is the expert on themselves. Like they know themselves better. Even if I'm working with a client for years, they still know themselves better and have a deeper connection with their thought processes, what they're feeling physically. They can tell me, oh, I'm feeling this or, oh, I'm thinking this. But there's a certain level of assumption that comes into play with like, okay, well, anxiety in my body when you say, oh, I feel really you know my heart's racing okay I know what my heart feels Mm -hmm. like racing but I don't know what your heart feels like racing Mm -hmm. or examples like that so my perspective and the work that I do is very much trying to not empower because I think I can't empower someone they have to empower themselves but I can create a space where they can build that sense of empowerment within but my role is to kind of act as this container for them to come in and do the work together but they're really doing their own work they're working through all these things themselves they're processing it and I can I can bring in my own understanding that I have and the tools that I have and different strategies and coping mechanisms and things like that into the session to then help that person but I don't feel like my role is to tell them what they're feeling or to say okay well I'm a mom and you're a mom so this is how it is Mm -hmm. and so I think that really helps me kind of 
stay in my lane almost to, mm-hmm. to not project, like not project my own experiences onto these clients. Absolutely. Alita, when do you find perinatal counseling is most helpful? I personally believe that perinatal counseling is most helpful kind of ASAP, whether that be from a completely preventative approach where you're not really feeling like you're struggling with your mental health, but kind of wanting to develop tools and a plan and strategies and things so that if you start to notice that you're struggling, you already have these tools developed. So Alita, what advice would you give to somebody who's considering reaching out for perinatal counseling? The advice that I would give to someone who's considering reaching out is I can empathize and understand how hard it is to even be in that that place of considering whether or not you should reach out and what that looks like and what steps do you take and having the energy and the time to do that when life is already really busy and if you're already kind of feeling, should I reach out? So I think if you're considering reaching out, I would say first taking a pause and giving yourself a moment of gratitude and compassion for the fact that you are even considering kind of taking this step and prioritizing your mental health. And then um, I guess another piece of that would be it's quite common to have this feeling of trying to analyze or assess like, do I need help? Do I not? Is what I'm feeling normal? Is what I'm feeling not? Will it get better? Often I'll see clients who'd say, this started to get really bad three months ago, but I just tried to keep pushing through, tried to keep pushing through, or I didn't have someone to watch my baby or these all there's always lots of barriers especially in that perinatal period so my advice would just be that it's it's really common to to question yourself or to compare yourself and if you have the resources or the access to reach out that you don't have to be at a certain point in order to be like considered necessary for help or for it to be appropriate or for it to be any of those things that you're kind of trying to to justify for yourself and I would say that there are a lot of really wonderful kind of perinatal mental health supports in the area. There's great resources such as Postpartum Support International. There's also different resources online. I know it can kind of be hard to know where to start. So knowing that a counselor, someone like that is here to support you and that at least my role that I can only speak from myself is mm-hmm. is I always have so much admiration and compassion for people coming in that they're taking that step and no therapist is ever going to look at you with a raised eyebrow and say why are you here you're not unwell enough mm-hmm. or or things like that it's really important to take care of our mental health and if we're if we're kind of noticing that we're struggling with our mental health, that that is a priority and something that you deserve to to prioritize and, and take mm-hmm. care of yourself with and that maybe you're feeling it is too late or I've left it for too long and, and that's common as well to just remember that it's not too late and these are things that you can work on and that you can see improvement in and you can find support with someone who can create not only a space for you to just have that talk therapy, but someone, I mean, I'm speaking on my behalf so I shouldn't say someone that I could help in terms of like putting actual tactical practical plans in place to help make life easier to create space for you to begin to work on your mental health it's a very comforting message to let people know that it's not it's never at a point of too late or too far gone to be able to reach out right and I think it's important to also know is that you're worth it and Mm. your family is worth it and you're allowed to take that time for yourself to really take care of yourself too because you're not going to be able to give your all if you are Mm -hmm. feeling drained and 
not willing to take that step for yourself. Yeah, and I think a point that is really important to me that I didn't touch on is that it can feel very isolating and it can feel very scary and there can be a lot of shame and guilt around what you're feeling or thinking or that it's this period isn't going kind of how you maybe imagined. And I think knowing that you're not alone and it's very likely that a lot of the experiences, thoughts, feelings that you're having are actually very common and unfortunately just not talked about. And Mm -hmm. knowing that, you know, if you come into a session and we talk about this at the beginning of every session, that a lot of these things that women and parents are really afraid to talk about, such as intrusive thoughts or not feeling that a bond or attachment with their baby or things like that. I see like this weight being lifted off so many mom's shoulders where I'm like that, you know, validating and holding space for that, but also creating this sense of normalization that what you're experiencing is actually very common in this period. And there's actually a reason that that's happening. It's not because, you know, people will say like, oh, because I'm crazy or because I'm a bad mom or because these, there's actually a lot of either biological, hormonal or behavioral reasons Mm -hmm. that they're happening. And it's, there's actually steps that can be put in place to, to help you through that. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, Lita, thank you so much for joining. I think this is a really important conversation to have. Um, I know it's something that I struggle with. Um, I'm hoping, I think, again, a lot of the information you provided was super helpful. And uh, yeah, thanks again so much for joining us. Amazing. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. If you absolutely loved what you heard, be sure to subscribe, share, and leave a review so we can keep showing up for you. If you aren't already following us on social media, check out at exhale.therapy on Instagram or our website at exhaletherapy.ca. Thank you for making you a priority and for exhaling with us. Until next week, know that you are resilient. You are enough, you matter, and most importantly, you are not alone.